Welcome one and all to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. And like a sushi chef about to start a nine-hour work night, we are ready to roll. Ian, how are you doing? Haven't talked to you in probably, you know, seems like a couple hours. Yeah, it's been at least 90 minutes and I'm still doing well. Excited again for what feels like what's going to be the best of the triple headers. Not that it would have much competition, but uh, yeah, I think we're teeing up for a real banger. Yeah, yeah, really excited for it, and obviously we'll, we'll cover that here shortly. And just to run down everything that we will be covering, we will cover some recent headlines, going into Agree to Disagree, and then we have our information about moms of the track, the weather, and then wrapping up with our race predictions. So just getting right into it with our recent headlines. Obviously, a lot of news coming in these last couple of days uh, with some official signings. I know we were kind of talking through the rumor reel with a lot of these, but uh, just some, yeah, as I said, official signings. Albon uh, officially signed with Williams. They re-signed Latifi, and then George made it official going to Mercedes. So it seems pretty much like the last spot uh, that is really available for next year is potentially one spot in Alfa Romeo. Uh, we'll see what that happens with, but it's great to see that, yeah, Albon, Norris, Russell, and Leclerc, kind of that fun group of guys that have been around each other for, for it seems like since they were, you know, 10, 10, 11 years old or back together and kind of goofing off. And so I'm sure they're all really excited about that. And it was, it was great to kind of get all this news finally that we've been waiting for for so long. Yeah, I agree. It's nice. Like, I like silly season just because of the rumors that can fly around. Like on social media, everyone will be posting fake photoshopped pictures of, you know, like George Russell like re-signing at Williams or like Nick DeVry signing on at Mercedes, like all this bullshit. It's good to have that out of my life now. And yeah, like you said, Albon, Norris, Russell, Leclerc, Verstappen, like the new generation's kind of all in, uh, barring Albon fucking up again. But yeah, it's good to see those guys. We've seen a lot of pictures. If you follow anything F1 on social media, there have been a lot of pictures of the four or five of those guys uh, in different combinations. So yeah, glad to, glad to see everybody's kind of in their seats and, and ready to go for 2022 early. Mm-hmm. Uh, another small thing that we saw, Lewis Hamilton was swimming in the Mediterranean, did one of his famous posts on Instagram showing that he's training super hard. This is reminiscent of when he was doing his, you know, cross country skiing or when he's jogging, stuff like that. And yeah, you showed me Kelly Slater's comment that uh, it was like, hey, sharks in the Mediterranean, Google it. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I wanted to Google it. I didn't know if he was fucking around or not. I did not Google it. But that just sounds, uh, I, I don't know, a little absurd to have great whites in the Mediterranean. I guarantee you I don't end up actually Googling it, regardless of how interested I am in. But yeah, uh, <laughs> while just out of the blue kind of remark, don't know how close a relationship is. But uh, yeah, that was, that was quite entertaining. Moving on to actual Formula One. Fernando Alonso said that he is, quote, still targeting a third title. I saw this article and was kind of reading into it, and obviously he's just kind of being positive and wanting to, you know, the ultimate goal is to have that third title, but, you know, he knows that there are some big obstacles in place. I don't know what else you would say about that because 
outside of that, it's just being like, I'm not here to win. I'm just going to do as best as I can with the car that I have and, you know, what the age I'm at. So, yeah, it was kind of inevitable to guess that. But uh, if I were a betting man, I would put the house on Fernando Alonso not getting a third title. Yeah, this is a, it was a stupid article just because, you know, not because he said, like, yeah, I'm still targeting a third child. Like, of course, that's what he's going to be doing. But just these F1 journalists, you can tell when they just have nothing to report. You know, silly season's kind of over. You can't really speculate. So they're like, hey, are you, uh, are you still racing for, for a title? It's like, what, what are you possibly going to say that's, that's going to not hint toward yes? So, yeah, good to see that bullshit come across our, uh, our F1 radar. And then finally, a recent headline that we saw is Mercedes is considering an engine switch in the Italian Grand Prix, uh, which would, of course, bring along some penalties with it. So similar to what Red Bull did with Checo after a poor qualifying performance and getting him just those, I think it was five or five, 10 grid, uh, I think it was 10 grid spots penalty. Um, I think they'll probably end up doing that in either Italy or Russia um, you know, two weeks after Italy. So yeah, just going to be interesting to see that dynamic. If you remember Monza last year, um, Lewis Hamilton did get that penalty and he was just kind of climbing up through the order, um, after serving a 10 second drive through penalty, just because, you know, the Mercedes is so good on, on those long straights. So, um, I think that could be a really interesting dynamic this weekend. Like if they do have Valtteri and or Lewis start back, um, just kind of seeing them weave through similar to what Checo was doing last week is going to be fun to watch. So yeah, think that's everything that we have for recent headlines. Moving on to an agree or disagree. You ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Just like uh, other F1 journalists, obviously, based off of our recent headlines, not too, too much to go off of. Um, so I pulled mostly like looking at the future. So um, this the theme for this agree to disagree is, is going to be 2022. So let's talk about it. Agree or disagree. Alex Albon will be viewed as a success at Williams at the end of 2022. I guess it really depends on, and I know this is just an easy way out, but I'm going to answer it like a man, and I'm going to say agree just because of the recent Williams, how much they have struggled. I know they've kind of picked it up the last couple of weeks and a little bit in, uh, in 2021, but I think the trajectory that they're going up and with him, I think he is, you know, an above average driver. I think he will show some, uh, you know, some good trajectory going up and actually have a decent year compared to what Williams has been used to these last couple of years. So I'm going to say agree. Yeah, we're on the same page there. It is kind of easy to forget that Alex Albon was a very good driver in a pretty middle of the road car at out in uh, AlphaTauri, which was Toro Rosso. So I think with lower expectations and a Williams car that seems to be progressively getting better and better, I do have pretty high hopes for for Alex Albon. Not not high expectations, but high hopes. So um, good to see we're on the same page there. Next up, agree or disagree, George Russell will win two or more races in 2022. Agree. You said two or more, so I'm going to say or he's, more. yeah, like I think he's going to get, yeah, I would guess if three three uh, wins, I think he ends yeah, up. I think I, he's got a number of podiums, but like similar to Valtteri where you're not really, you'd be surprised at him coming off, you know, top of the podium. I think we're going to get that a little bit more with George as well. So, yeah, kind of the the set number two guy behind Lewis, helping Lewis out as much as he can. Yeah, I I was kind of struggling of where to put this line, like two or more, three or more. Right. Um, if you look at Valtteri here, like obviously he started in 2017, so 2017, 18, 19, and 20, and he's won nine races. So that's like about what he's 
tracking in at, but at the same time, Red Bull were nearly as competitive over the last couple of years as they are now. So yeah, I think uh, I think I would go agree as well, just based off of his performance in Bahrain. I think he's really got the chops for it. So yeah, I'll say he. I'll go with you. Uh, just riding the fence again. <laughs> that that we'll uh, we'll say like three three wins for George Russell in 2022. It's time stamped that. So when that does happen, we look like geniuses. Next up, with the new regulations coming next year, more than three teams will win a Grand Prix in 2022. More. And more? Yeah, just because I feel like we've already seen three this year. Is that correct? We have seen three or, this year, yeah. Okay, just three? I, so, yeah, it was three this year. I'm saying, uh, will it be more than three in 2022? Yeah, I think it'll be more than three. Uh, I think that, you're. I mean, obviously you're going to get two out of the way. You're going to yep. see potentially Ferrari, you know, making a lot more close consideration, see how they're doing. I think they're going to make that a little bit closer. And uh, and then, yeah, I think just depends on the race. But if you're going to have some just absurd, crazy type of race, some crazy weather that's going to, to implement or some crashes that, yeah, I think you're bound to get at least three. If I, I would guess four and a half would be my line. Yeah, I like that. I hope so. I mean, imagine how much more exciting that's going to be than the last several years. So, yeah, that's awesome. Very excited with these new regulations coming in, and hopefully that contributes, and hopefully you're right. Um, next up, agree or disagree, Daniel Ricardo is on track to lose his seat sometime in the 2022 calendar year. So either during the season or after the season next year. I will say disagree. I know myself, along with everyone else, is a huge Danny fan and want him to succeed, so that's going to go play in part of, uh, of this answer. But of I think that obviously this is his first year within with McLaren, so I think giving him some more time. I know you, we've seen a lot of other first year drivers that kind of had their struggles and inconsistencies with Perez. Uh, obviously, the Haas boys killing it. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I mean Vettel has been probably the best, and he's still been a little bit inconsistent as well. So I think giving him some more time. Hopefully, we can kind of see a little bit of the the flash from the past that we've seen with Danny when. He was at Red Bull and then showing some flashes at Renault towards the second half of the year as well. But yeah, I would say that unless we're seeing what we're seeing currently with Danny, then I don't think there should be worry. But I would I would be surprised and disappointed if we are seeing Danny this time next year the, the way we've seen him in 2021. Yeah, I, I think I'll veer off a little bit here and say I actually do agree with this. I think 2022 with his current trajectory is kind of what it's looking at. The reason I say that is just because when it comes down to it, like later on in this year when Ferrari and McLaren are battling, his non-points finishes are going to become very, very obvious and very clear as a reason that, you know, that's you know, that's why they're behind. If you look at it right now, like, you know, Lando's been Mr. Consistent with, you know, getting points in almost all of the races and Daniel's just kind of been a hit or miss. So 50-50 shot is going to be not what McLaren needs. Like they're going to need a lot more of that. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this is just another one that's going to be super interesting. One of the many different talking points that you can pay attention to and really get invested as we do. And that'll be it for Agree to Disagree. Hopefully we'll have a nice and spicy race in Monzo where we have a bunch of different points to discuss. But until then, let's move on to speaking about the track and the weather in Monza. But before we do that, Marco, do you have a word from our sponsors? I do have one word from our sponsor. And this part of the podcast is brought to you by the Birds Aren't Real movement. So this movement has been active since 1976 with their initial goal to stop the genocide of real-life birds. 
Unfortunately, as we most of us know, this was unsuccessful and the government has now since replaced living birds with robotic replicas. This movement took a little turn and altered their their goal to make everyone aware of this fact. So birdsaren'treal.com has an endless supply of clothing that will help spread the word and make you look damn good while doing it. I myself am a huge sponsor of the movement and have spent an embarrassing amount of money on their clothing lines already. <laughs> but alas, I love it. And so most likely if you see me out, you will see me repping this fantastic cause. Uh, check out their website again at www.birdsaren'treal.com. After all, the people deserve to know the truth. So rep that proudly. Uh, I think it's a great cause, some awesome clothing. So uh, I think this is one of my most exciting ads and sponsors that we have on the podcast. I got to be real with you. Of the, I think we've been friends for going on like eight years. I've seen you in a suit, in a tuxedo, and in a Birds Aren't Real t-shirt. And I got to tell you, the Birds Aren't Real t-shirt is the best that I've seen you look. So definitely check out their website. Join the movement and take the truth tour at www.birdsaren'treal.com. Thank you very much for our sponsorship with them and looking forward to their care packages as well. Yeah, very expensive. I mean, I, I'm going to go broke if that, without some free care packages from birdsaren'treal.com. So yeah, I'm mean, really looking forward for those. And we'll rep them on site all the time. So yeah, huge shout out to the, to the sponsors there. Yeah, just out of curiosity, can we get in uh, over under on uh, how much money you've spent at birdsaren'treal.com? Let's set the line at $140 over under. Yeah, we're going to have to bump that up. <laughs> hey, man, it's been a long year and COVID has really affected me. And, you know, once you Mentally. get something, once you get something to cling on to and really support and fully devote a lot of your time and, and efforts into it, it's hard to say no to, you know, supporting that cause the right way. And yeah, absolutely. the right way is, yeah, just like most of my paychecks. So. <laughs> So let's talk about the Italian GP first. This is the fifth oldest Grand Prix in existence. It is unique in that this and the English Grand Prix or the British Grand Prix uh, have been run every single year since F1 started the championship in 1950. When you think Formula One, Ferrari, and the red race car is something that always comes to mind. Enzo Ferrari said, if you have a child draw a race car, they're going to draw a red one. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this being Ferrari's home track is always something to get excited about, whether or whether or not you are, you know, consider yourself a member of the Tifosi. But uh, Monza specifically, which is where the Italian Grand Prix is going to be held, this is, I mean, we've obviously Spa was awesome, but we kind of got cucked by not being able to see a single lap raced Zanvoort was cool but it was more the atmosphere that was kind of the draw to it and then Monza here I think like the track is just something to get very excited about it's just such a cool track legendary turns uh you know 3.6 miles long about 5.8 kilometers or so there are going to be fewer laps than we're normally used to so 53 laps just because of the length of the track um, and yeah, like I said, these turns are awesome. The parabolica is just one big parabola that starts really tight and then ends up getting kind of looser as you go around the parabola. The Ascari chicane is kind of just a, a really high speed chicane compared to others where it's named Ascari chicane because Alberto Ascari died there in 1949. Speaking of deaths at Monza, dude, not in Formula One, but just like in all of motorsport combined. 42 drivers of motorsport vehicles have died at this track. Um, and that's just during races. 
So there's been others that have, I think 10 have died during testing, two have died during just like different events, and then fans in the stands have died because of crashes at Monza. So like this track just literally just does not fuck around, and it's so exciting to be like, you know, okay, let's let's get some real, real good racing. We're going to see some good overtakes because there are big, long straights. Um, I say probably two or three uh, places where passing is obviously going to take place. Um, and then a couple places where it could be, you know, if, if we do see Mercedes go back on that engine penalty, then, then you know, there are other spots where they could kind of sneak by. Um, That's just not on a straight, you know, it's, it's on a corner. So as far as memories that are more positive than just the people dying um, on the track, we saw like the thing that comes to mind most quickly is just Pierre Gasly winning here last year. That was the freak accident where Kevin Magnussen crashed close to the pit wall. Lewis went into the pit lane while the pit lane was technically closed, and so he had to serve a 10-second penalty. He was going all the way up through the order, passing cars left and right. I think he only got up to 6th or 7th, but that was pretty nuts, um, considering that there was you know red flags in the middle of the race, and that's you know kind of where he finished up after serving that penalty. Um, and then there was that awesome battle between Gasly and Carlos Sainz toward the very end of the race where, um, you know, it was kind of a 50-50 shot of who was going to end up taking it, whether Carlos was going to be able to get past Pierre, but Pierre did hold on, giving Alpha Tauri, the Italian brand, an awesome, you know, an awesome and unexpected win um, on their home soil. So, yeah, I think overall there's massive... Yeah, so I think overall there are plenty of things to be super excited about. Um, you know, main thing that we care about as fans, there's going to be multiple places to overtake um, with some long straights and quick corners. And then just as far as weather's concerned, we do have a pretty clear weekend. So it's going to be clear around mid-80s, um, so nice and warm. Track's going to get hot, but should just mean some rubber is gripping well and, uh, and some passing can occur here. So, yeah, like I said, awesome track. Going to be an awesome weekend. Lots of stuff to be excited for. Yeah, very cool. And uh, there was a couple other things that I noticed that I just wanted to throw in there, kind of similar to what uh, Ian was talking about. So Mercedes has won the five, the last seven, the last two, as he said, Pierre, and then the year before was actually Charles, and the first year in the Ferrari. Very, very, as he as Ian said, very, very fast lap. Uh, F1's fastest ever lap was set at Monza, and cars are on full throttle for 80% of the lap. So just pretty much balls to the wall the entire, That's the so entire race, which That's is crazy. So, awesome. yeah, so that is very exciting. <laughs> And then you had said it was the sixth Grand Prix. It was built in 1922. It was the world's third purpose-built track behind Brooklyn's in the UK and Indianapolis in the US. So uh, just kind of uh, wild to see that in 1922 is when they just started to be like, hey, let's actually make tracks for racing. And that, yeah, this has definitely has a, a ton of history behind it. So yeah, I think overall, very, very excited for, I think we are both very, very excited for Monza. Uh, has a, a lot of hype going into it. And hopefully, usually when that happens, it means it's gonna be a dud. Well, speaking of the race, let's get into our predictions as things stand right now. September 8th, I am leading Marco 13 to 11. Marco, why don't you go ahead and start us off with race predictions? All right, let's do it. I'm going to start off with uh, who do we think will crash our DNF. I'm going to go with Mazda Spin, bring him back. He uh, he evaded last week, and I don't think he's going to have that type of luck this week. Nope, he did not evade last week. He did go out and crash in DNF, and I'm going <laughs> to double down on Mazepin. So Mazepin for crashing DNF. Winner, I'm going to go with Lewis, using my Lewis count down to two. Last place, I'm going to do uh, Kubica 
because obviously he looks old as shit in these photos that they're posting of him <laughs> with a terrible, terrible hairline. So I don't know how he's singing in the course. And super old, super fast track. He's gone. Ding, ding, ding. A little race predictions addition that we're going to add on to here. Uh, similar to what F1 has been doing and in including a most overtakes award. We're going to actually copy them, include that in there. So I'm going to go with my most overtakes as Fernando Alonso. Driver of the day, I'm going to go with Max. Douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Watch out for that douche juice all over the course. I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. I feel like he has just been an extremely nice guy this year. And it's about time that he, you know, pays the Pied Piper a little bit and becomes kind of that dick that uh, that I thought he used to be. Fastest pit stop, I'm going to go with Alpha Towery and wildcard prediction. As much as we have been kind of down-talking Daniel Ricciardo and as much as I've been losing on McLaren guesses, I am going to double down as well. Ricardo places <laughs> ahead of Lando Norris. I love it. My turn. Who do I think will crash or DNF? I'll go with Pierre Gasly. The sport giveth, the sport taketh away. So with him winning last year, I think he's in for an upsetting Monza. I hope not, but I think he is. Carlos is going to be my winner. Um, Yeah, I think Ferrari's going to have a second driver win in three years. Um, I things would have to probably happen. Honestly, for that to uh, for that to take place, but of course this is F1 and anything can happen during a race. Last place, I'll go with Schumacher since I don't think Mazepin is going to make it to the end, so good call there. Uh, driver of the day, I'll go with Charles again. Seems like he performs pretty well on this circuit when he's given the right car. And uh, yeah, my douche of the day brought to you by Summer's Eve is going to be Max Verstappen. I think uh, we've yes, been seeing yes, just yes, teetering, yes. teetering back and forth. <laughs> Um, of, you know, who's ahead in the championship. I think there's been three lead changes. So, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see Max give some kind of uh, move that either messes up his race or someone else is around him. Um, fastest pit stop, give me Alfa Romeo. And wildcard prediction, I think three different teams are going to be on the podium. Um, it's, it's happened, I think, once or twice, uh, maybe just once this year. Uh, but yeah, give me three different teams on the podium to get more specific. Give me a Red Bull, a Mercedes, and a Ferrari. And similarly, what you gave me last week and giving me if if Lando were to have won last week, you would give me double the points. I'm going to do the same, and if Carlos wins, I will give you double the points on that. I like what the ambition. Well, all right, and that actually wraps up this episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Really looking forward to this upcoming race, especially because after that, we will go on a little bit of a break before they move on to Russia. So yeah, really soak this in before you're going to go about two weeks without Formula One. And Ian, any closing thoughts? No, just ready for, I can feel it in my bones that this is going to be a wild one. So we will recap on Monday and uh, yeah, until then, see you assholes. See you assholes.